I'm Beth Blick, uh, the um, uh, the director of uh, uh, of Able Media, um, and we've been in uh, we've we've been together as an organization since 2019. And we decided that it would be good to get something like this going um, in order to uh, sneak it on in uh, in places where it's not where uh, the issue isn't being taken very seriously, such as in you know the uh, corporate media and. Uh, and in in lots of other places, and and to, and to become more of a household name as as an organization. And Dan Barker used to be a uh, minister, and decided that you know that you know one fine day that you know that what's the point that what was the point of being a minister when you don't have the proof of uh god you know when uh you know when it when it hasn't been outright proven uh you know for for that matter and he's uh, a co-president with Annie Laurie Gaylor from um, uh, the Freedom from Religion Foundation, which has been around since 1978 in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, so... Uh, they, uh, you, you know, are, are, are in the right place, uh, for, for, for the right time. And, you know, one of their major concerns, uh, you know, like, uh, the concerns of any, um, for any common sense person is, keeping uh state and church uh separate all right beth did you want to let dan finish introducing himself or sure yeah i'm done okay well, hi, hi, Beth. Thank you for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to get sure. to know you. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, as Beth said, I'm Dan Barker, and I used to be a preacher for 19 years. And you can read more about my story in depth if you want to, of yeah, why I, I it, it, and why I changed my mind. Uh, it's in the book that I wrote called Godless, How an Evangelical Preacher Became One of America's leading atheists. And as Beth just said, 
the Freedom From Religion Foundation works to keep state and church separate and to educate the public about the views of non-theists. That means atheists, agnostics, secular humanists, and so on. And uh, we have a newspaper, we have a national TV show, a national radio show, we publish books, we have 10 full-time attorneys who sue the government, and that's really fun. We sue the government when they violate the Constitution, and we win most of our cases. Uh, we're, in fact, today we were, we're deciding whether we will take a case in West Virginia. Uh, we haven't filed yet, but uh, we usually have 8 or 12 cases at a time. Plus, we write more than 1,000 letters every year and have some victories without going to court. So it's everything from high schools to mayor's offices to governors. We're suing the governor of Texas right now, Greg Abbott, and we're winning over a speech, free, right. speech, free speech violation. So uh, it's the funnest job in the world. It's a lot more fun than, than preaching, I have to tell you that. Alrighty, Beth. So um, it's up to you where you'd like to start your questions for Dan, um, get the conversation started for the evening. So um, go ahead. Yeah, what, um, you know, other than, you know, deciding, you know, that, that you, um, you know, that, that there was no scientific um, proof of there being a God, you know, made you an atheist, was it that you decided that you couldn't stand uh, the uh, lack of... Um, of uh, open-mindedness of what was going on, you know, where you were preaching at, or uh, get get you to where uh, you you were, or was or was it uh, something else that that got you, you know, in uh, quitting the whole kit and caboodle. Well, good question. So I, I was a true believer. I was not faking it. I prayed. I felt the oh, Holy. Yeah. I felt the Holy Spirit. I, I saw what I thought were answers to prayer. I thought I saw miracles. I thought Jesus was coming soon. Uh, you would not have liked me very much back then. I was really pushy. Uh, you would not have wanted to sit next to me on a bus. Let me tell you that. I was I was that kind of a preacher. Uh, Richard Dawkins, the scientist, wrote a foreword to my book, and he said, uh, you know, uh, he, he would not have liked me either. If, if he had sat next to me on a bus, he would have changed seats, you know. But, uh, uh, and so, since I was such a strong evangelical born-again Christian, you don't just snap your fingers one day and say, oh, silly me, there's no God. I went through a, a really grueling four- or five-year process of re-evaluating not thinking I would end up at atheism. I just thought I would be a, a different kind of Christian. I moved across the theological spectrum. And it, I'll make a long story very short here and say that it, at the very end, it was just me and my thoughts. I didn't know any other atheists. I didn't know if I would like any other atheists. 
I realized that there's just a complete absence of evidence. There's, there's a number of absences. The first one is the absence of a coherent definition of a God. Uh, people can't even agree on what the definition is, and some of the definitions are mutually contradictory. It's like arguing for a, a married bachelor, let's say, uh, this such God can't exist. The second absence is an absence of good evidence. If there were good evidence, we wouldn't need to talk about it. We wouldn't need debates. We would just know. But there's no good evidence for a God. Uh, the th third absence is an absence of good argument. And, you know, theologians and apologists have been trying to argue for a God. It's interesting, if there's a God, why would he have to be argued for anyway? They used like the first cause argument or the design argument or ontological argument or the moral argument or, or you know, and so on. Um, and there's no good arguments, really. They're all, they all basically beg the question. Uh, the fourth lack is there's a lack of agreement among believers about the nature of this God or its moral principles. And the fifth absence is that uh, there's no good answer to the problem of evil. If there's a good benevolent God, why does, why does gratuitous, horrendous evil exist? Uh, another absence is the um, absence of compatibility with science or with history, like the holy books, like the Bible. They are, they're, you know, there's a little bit of truth in them, but basically they are not historical, they're not scientific, and they're not even moral. I wrote a whole book called God, the Most Unpleasant Character in All Fiction, showing that the God of the Bible, at least, is really, uh, it's a good thing he doesn't exist, because if he did, it would be one of the most horrible creatures in the universe. And finally, there's an absence of need. There's no, there's no need to believe in a God. There's tens of millions of people in this country, hundreds of millions of people in the world, who live good, happy, moral, productive, meaningful lives, without believing in a God. And so I ended up thinking, well, I guess I don't believe in this being anymore for very good reason. And that's, I would describe me as an atheist. Sounds good. Um, yeah, so it sounds like uh, you, you know, uh, you know, you know, began, uh, you know, deciding that you you wanted your own uh, independence, and uh, and you, you, you know, knew, knew that that it was no longer for you, and it and it was a way of growing. Of course. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we are the freedom to think your own thoughts, bottom up, rather than have somebody top down tell you what you must think. There's there's nothing more exciting than being able to be your own authentic person, to think your own thoughts, come to your own conclusions. And when I became an atheist, I didn't. I, I thought I was might have been the only one. It wasn't like somebody was telling me what to think. I came to those conclusions just on my own. And there, are, I know more than a thousand other clergy, priests, and ministers who have done the same thing. And there's a group of us now. It's called the Clergy Project. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I think. You know, from some of my own readings, you know, I've read, um, you know, I had had read 
something about that. And, uh, you know, at the conference in Boston, I had, you know, picked up a little something, and since it didn't uh, apply to me, I, you know, thought it would collect another piece of paper since I'm not a, uh, you know, in those categories that it was a number for anyone in, you know, well, I guess like, you, you know, it, you know, I couldn't think of anyone that, that I could refer anyone to, but, you, you know, I, uh, you, you know, can imagine that, 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 that there would be a group, uh, online or so for any for, for anyone who knows uh minister priest uh or rabbi to refer them to that group that's org. If, if anybody's interested there are ministers and priests right now who are in the pulpit and they've lost their faith but they're kind of stuck and they need an exit strategy. So about a fourth of the members of the clergy project are still in the ministry wanting to get out, and so we are a support group for them. And maybe one of your listeners is in that same situation. You're welcome to contact us at clergyproject.org. Okay. So, I'm if I may, Beth. I have a question. Um, oh, go ahead. So, in terms of um, you know the fact that we focus on um, disability on this show, I'm wondering. I'm sure you have experience with this, Beth. But I think sometimes um, faith has been used to sort of um, undermine people's uh, freedom of thought for themselves or their independence. And I'm wondering um, what um, from your uh, point of view, Dan, um, atheism, agnosticism, or um, just in general, um, that freedom of thought that comes along with some of these ideas. Um, how do you see the intersection of um, some of those ideas of perhaps control um, intersecting with um, the, the balance of independence and interdependence that's so important for uh, people with disabilities? Yeah, because even though we have our individual thoughts, we are a social species and we, we, most of us, most of us who are, you know, within the bell curve, I guess, of, uh, you know, sociability, we need each other and we, we, we survive with friends and with family. And so, and some of us really can't survive without them. So that's very, very important. And, um, it's, it's probably a distribution where some people need it more than others, but generally we all are social animals. And so um, when it comes to faith, you mentioned the word faith. I used to be a faith healer. I, pe people with illnesses used to come up to me thinking I could heal them. And I actually believed that it was possible. And a couple of times it actually happened. Um, we were down in Mexico City with a singing group, a quartet, and the big, the big bass in the group, Gary was his name. He was supposed to sing and preach that night, and he said, "Hey, you guys, I can't, I can't, I lost my voice, I can't, I can't talk." Yeah, and you know, he really couldn't talk. He was something was he was really sick. So I laid my hands on him before the meeting. We were in the back room before we going out on the stage, 
And I laid my hands on Gary's shoulder and I said, Dear Jesus, I want you to heal Gary in the name of Jesus. You promised to answer prayer. And I said, Gary, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And Gary said, Praise the Lord. And then he went out and he, he sang and he preached. And, and you know what? It, it looked like a miracle, didn't it? And it, it, that actually happened. Um, since then, somebody told me, you know, you know it might have been auto-suggestion. It might have been, you know, when, when people get up the energy to rise above those temporary setbacks. But somebody once told me that there's a thing called a, a laryngeal spasm. Your larynx, when you're, when you're tired or nervous, it can actually kind of freeze up or spasm. And that if you can relax, that you can then regain your voice. So maybe it was something like that that happened. But in any event, during my life, I saw some of those things that I thought were faith healing uh, but that was maybe five or 10 times in my whole life. And, and you, you, you tend to remember those, right? But you forget the other 99% of the times when you prayed and nothing happened or when the person got worse even. And I, and I can recall some of those situations too, where uh, I was in Arizona, I was praying, this, they brought this woman up to me. She was all shriveled and I don't know what her illness was or disability, but her hands were all like turned in and she was hunched over and shriveled an older woman and they thought that i could pray for her so i i did the same thing in the name of jesus be healed well nothing happened and everybody was waiting for something to happen and i feel so bad about this i mean i'm, I'm really embarrassed or ashamed about it that <laughs> what i did was i i put the blame back on her i said well woman let it be according to your faith meaning she didn't have enough faith so she couldn't be healed it wasn't my fault because god i believe that god was powerful so most of the time prayer didn't work and the time and the few times that it did you could find you know a plausible natural explanation for it so faith might help some people feel better I, you know i don't doubt that if you have faith and if you pray it can help you psychologically, but you don't need faith for that. Atheists and agnostics can get the same thing through meditation, through relaxation, through deep breathing. And I think any of us, whatever the vehicle is, if you're religious, you're going to call it faith and prayer. But if you're not religious, you're going to call it meditation or natural therapy, you know, and the end results are going to be the same. If, if you have some confidence, and I think if you're, if you're breathing deep, breathing, bringing oxygen to the brain, it can help you relax and it can make you feel better. You, it can make you feel, quote unquote, healed. So um, I don't know if that fully addresses your question, but um, I can see how it's a matter of how you frame the situation. If you're a believer, you frame it one way, and if you're a non-believer, you frame it a different way. Thank you for that. Beth, do you have another question? Um, yeah, one, um, oh, let me think. I'm, you know, concerned about the way, um, you know, or let, let me rephrase it. How do you feel about, you know, the history of how um, people with, with disabilities have historically been treated by, um, you know, the 
religion system, i.e., you know, the, oh, you know, like their churches and, or synagogues and other components of their uh, quote-unquote community um, have not been accessible or, you know, for example, you know, they've been forced to use cups to, you know, get, uh, you know, money on it into them, you know, to, uh, you know, because they were living in poverty. It's that charity um, kind of thing, and it winds up, uh, you know, not not being a true system of uh, dignity. I don't know if I'm, you know, if what I'm asking is is making any sense. Well, well like I... once I could give you an example of how when I was much younger, when I was going to a Catholic school, I uh, I once, you know, had water thrown in my face because I was really upset and pissed off and uh and of course uh you know the nuns who did it to me got away with it. Yeah. Well, uh I will say this, you we cannot paint all religious believers with the same brush. Oh no, and you I'm know? not trying to do that yeah. at all whatsoever. And what you're saying is absolutely true. There are horrible stories. We're hearing about these deaths of children in these Native American homes run by Catholic missionaries we, you know, that are in the news now, and the sexual abuse of children by priests and, and ministers and Protestants. Uh, by the way, uh, Catholic priests represent about 40% of the clergy who are sexually abusing children. Um, and mo most of them are actually Protestants. About 60% of the cases are Protestant ministers who are sexually abusing children. However, Catholic priests represent about 10% of the clergy. So Catholic right. priests are like four times more likely. A, a Catholic priest is about four times more likely than a Protestant minister to be a sexual abuser of children and, and of other, other people. But for every for every one of those horrible stories that we can talk about, there are also some wonderful churches. There are some good believers who are, you know, they're kind and they're caring for the disabled, and 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 you know, they're just as shocked as anyone else about the Very. things that are going on. So we have mm -hmm. to be careful not to badmouth all religious people. Um, but oh, and I don't. Yeah, I know. I know you don't. I'm just saying it for the record here that um, yeah. our organization is. You know, we're mostly atheists and agnostics. We acknowledge that percentage of believers who are truly doing good things in the world, but it's a mm -hmm. very small percentage. It should be it should be all of them. If religion is so powerful, why isn't it one hundred percent? You know, why are the why are there all these problems within, um, you know, within Christianity? One of the problems I think that happens uh, is that people who are ill or disabled they get blamed like uh like they'll say god is punishing you for this god is punishing you for your sins and mm. and you're you are ill or disabled because god wants you to draw his your your attention back to him that's what 
And I think that really makes a lot of people pretty angry. They think I'm, I'm just ill, but now I'm, now I'm being blamed for it. Like I, like I did something wrong and now there's something, one of my friends, one of the, you know, um, Joy Berry is her name. She's a, a well-known children's author. She sold millions of books around the world and we're still good friends since, since 1970. She got cancer and, uh, some of the church ladies came to her hospital room and said, Joy, you, you are sick because God is trying to teach you a lesson. <laughs> and she threw them out of the room. She says, I don't want to hear that. I'm sick because I got sick and I'm trying to get better. I'm not going to pray. I'm going to use medicine. She's an agnostic and, you know, she wouldn't have nothing to do with that. But you can, you can see how that might really damage some people who do believe thinking that, well, it's my own fault. And religion uh, plays into that a lot, and I think that's very damaging. Right. Oh, it, it is. I can agree with you there. Dan, is there anything that you would share with people who are um, so maybe some advice for people who are trying to figure out where their affinity lies in terms of how they identify um, themselves along the spectrum of religion or um, agnosticism or atheism? Um, any advice for people that are trying, that are kind of questioning, that are in that space? Um, I'd be interested to know about that. Well, I guess what we said earlier, I think you said it too earlier, um, the most precious thing is to think for yourself. Don't let somebody tell you, not your preacher, not your parents, not, you know, we, we can accept advice from anybody. I mean, we all, we all welcome advice, but don't let anybody tell you what you must think, because otherwise you don't own your own thoughts. If somebody else is telling you what to think, you're not free. You don't, you don't. And if you do want to embrace Jesus or Muhammad or Joseph Smith or, or whatever, or um, Krishna, if you choose to do that on your own, then that's your choice. It's not because you were born into it or because you're, you know, you were being coerced in some way. So my advice is that you think for yourself and don't, don't let me tell you what to think. Don't let anything, don't let the Bible tell you what to think. You decide whether you think it's true. And in fact, when I was a preacher, I was encouraging people to open the Bible and read it and decide and make a choice. So in, there you go. I was encouraging people to make a choice. And if you don't have free will to make your own choice, you're not thinking for yourself. And if you can't have the freedom to say yes, if you don't also have the freedom to say no, many of us say no, and we exercise our freedom to say so. Um, atheism, by the way, is not a belief. Atheism contrasted with theism. The theism is, is not a knowledge of God. That would be Gnosticism. Theism is just a belief in God. That's what theism is. So atheism is just the absence of a belief in God. Atheists are not people who necessarily say, I know there's no God and I hate God or whatever. An atheist in mo the most general terms is simply a person who says, I don't have a belief in God, but by whatever definition, there could be a thousand definitions, but if you can't answer the question, honestly, do you have a belief in God? If you can't answer that question with a yes, 
then you are by definition, if not by label, you are by definition an atheist. You are atheistic. You are without theism. Some people are atheists, but they don't want to call themselves that, and that's fine. We can label ourselves whatever we want. There is a subset of atheists that you might call capital A atheists, in, in, as opposed to lowercase a atheists, like lacking a belief. There is a, a smaller subset of capital A atheists who say, I know there's no God, and I believe there's no God. And those are usually the atheists that you think about in the media. You tend to think that there are these really positive, you know, people. And I am a capital A atheist, depending on how you define God. If you define God as the God of the Bible, well, then I'm a capital A atheist. Not only will I say that God doesn't exist, that God cannot exist logically and morally. But there's other definitions of God where I, I can't say it any way. You know, I, I would be lowercase a atheist. I just don't believe in them. I don't believe in leprechauns. I don't believe in elves. I don't believe in a lot of stuff, and I don't believe in God. So, uh, you know, and then, of course, the question is, where is agnostic fall in there? And agnostic really is a totally separate thing. You can be both an atheist and an agnostic because agnosticism deals with knowledge. Atheism deals with belief. So you can say, I don't believe in a God and I don't know if there's a God. You can say both of those. So there's two kinds of agnostics. There's, there's agnostics who are atheistic like me, but there's also theistic agnostics. There are people like Blaise Pascal, the famous philosopher, who said, we don't know if there's a God and maybe we can't know if there's a God, but I'm going to believe anyway because it's safer. That The famous Pascal's wager, right? Because what if you're wrong? I'm going to go ahead and believe. So you would call those people, and, the, and this is honest, I think, you would call them theistic agnostics because they are, they are people who don't know, but they're going to believe anyway. Whereas I'm a person who doesn't know and I don't believe. So I am an atheistic agnostic. I've heard the term non-theist tossed around too. Is that the same thing as um, atheist, non-theist? Yeah, it's just, it's the same thing. Just another way to say atheist. Uh, non-theist seems a little gentler because the word atheist has suffered from bad PR. Like the word atheist in a lot of people's mind is like this big, oh, bugaboo, you're an atheist. Uh, but when you say non-theist, that just sounds a little more gentler for some reason, but it's the same thing. Okay, thank you. Well, Beth, we've got about 10 minutes left. Um, do you have any other okay. questions for mm -hmm. Dan at this point? Um, yeah, I was going to suggest that if you, you know, if uh, FFRF, is interested in trying to get some books, uh, you know, and I am writing one called the uh, myself uh, uh, called um, the hardship of being a Jewish disabled uh, feminist um, online. I mean, no, it's, I'm writing it and, uh, um, and it's taking a while so far, uh, 
as usually, you know, when you write a book, um, you know, I'll uh, submit it, you know, when it's done, um, you know, I would, you know, suggest uh, looking online uh, to see if uh, there are any other um, books that, you know, are written by uh, um, disabled atheists that probably, you know, uh, that SFRF might not know about so i don't know you know you are welcome to submit an article to our editor of our newspaper uh pj slinger and uh that might be an avenue to go i do know oh. that um i do know that david warnock david warnock is a former preacher conservative christian preacher who's now an mm -hmm. atheist he is he suffers from ALS and is gradually degenerative and he's he's dying and he's on a tour called Dying Out Loud where he's we had him on our TV show for example and he's talking about what it's like when you know that life is at an end and uh, he has written a book and it's a wonderful book and now I can't, the title escapes me I think it's almost ready to be published about his history. Uh, not just his illness, but uh, his history as a former preacher and why he left and all of that. And then, of course, his current situation facing the end of life uh, very close now. And in fact, I liked it so much, I wrote a blurb for the book when it does come out. So we'll probably have him on our show and we'll certainly plug his book as well. Um, you know, I, I guess I'll look, I'll look up the title again and maybe we can post it somewhere so people can find it. Yeah, if you could, you know, have it put on in the next uh, paper. I don't know how to get um, track of your um, radio program unless you have it online. Yeah, it's online. We, we broadcast around the country, but it's also a podcast. And on our website, ffrf.org, you can look yeah. under new look under news and then radio show and then you can you can find the current podcast if you want and then you can go back in history and you can look at different guests that we've had we just did our 824th radio show this week since 2006 so uh uh and and a lot of people would rather hear a podcast because you can't you don't know when it's going to air in your area so uh oh yeah right yeah uh, since you're in Madison. Okay, yeah, I would like to see the book uh, listed in, um, you know, along with your other books. Yeah. Well, we'll put it out. And uh, if your podcast has some kind of a place where we can put some links, um, I could, I could, I could ask Dave if it's okay to put his book up because it deals with atheism and with his his illness. What does ALS stand for? I, I mean, what, what is well, it called, it's, the acronym? It's, it's commonly called the Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh, Lou Yeah, I've heard of Lou Gehrig's. Yeah. I know so little about it. I, I have epilepsy, and then I, uh. you know, I've got a math learning disability, and then I've, I, uh, deal with uh depression i it's what i call 
situational. And when I was much younger, much like Joe Biden, I had a stuttering uh, disorder. So hard to believe, but I did. Well, it looks looks like you found ways to cope. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, you know, they had me going to somebody uh, uh, in my school to uh, deal with a counselor to deal with that. Hmm. You know, when when Joe Biden was talking about it, you know, while he was doing his campaign, I was like, oh, God, I'd like to meet you and tell you about mine, too. So anyhow, uh, Dan, I can um, I can send you an email um, if you want to um, send over a link to um, to the the I believe you said it was a an article. Um, we can post whatever you'd like in the um, in the description of the podcast episode. So right. uh, we can definitely do that. I don't know if his book is out yet. Um, okay. I know he it's mm, it's written. Okay. The book is written. I don't know if it's published yet. So. Okay. I'll find out. Great. Right. All righty. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dan. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed meeting both of you. Same. Oh, good. Enjoyed meeting you too. Someday, come on over. You're in Minnesota. Come over to Madison, Wisconsin, and we'll give you a tour of our building. Uh, now that oh, we are, I would love to see it. We're finally ADA yeah, I, compliant. Oh, yep, that's good. Well, I know you're going to be having your conference um, about you know the year after this this year. Back in Madison, yes. Yeah, you're having your next conference this year in Houston, Texas. In San Antonio. I mean, San Antonio. Yeah, yeah sorry about that. And if we, if yeah, I have a, be... if I have a minute to plug, uh, we're going to debut something really exciting. One of the most exciting things in my life. It's called Godless Gospel. We are, <laughs> and I know I'm. I'm glad you laughed, but uh, these are these are gospel musicians, as in black gospel musicians, who are right. now agnostics or atheists. They're fed up with the gospel music industry, and they don't believe anymore. But they still love the like. music. They love the music, and so we have written. Uh -huh. I've written a few, and. Um, and Andre Forbes, he's written some songs, some gospel music, but with secular lyrics, like one of them is I Don't mm -hmm. Need Jesus, and another one is Joy to the World, There Is No Hell. Uh, and, and it's a hand-clapping, you know, gospel choir music, but with atheist agnostic words. And so we're going to do, we're doing right. a demo next week, and then in San Antonio, Texas, we're going to have the debut concert of God, Godless Gospel. Wow. They're able to turn it around. Yeah. Yeah, I can see where that where uh, that 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 kind of thing can be done. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they can still be musicians and yeah, turn it around to their liking and everybody else's liking. Well, if if you love the music, you're going to love this kind of, and yeah. I mean, it's, and and it's not a joke. I mean, these lyrics are not. Oh just no, to, I'm sure it isn't. It, it, we're not just doing it to say, look at us, we can do gospel. The lyrics are very meaningful. They are very powerful. Oh yeah. You know, secular or atheist or humanist words. I like that much better than the traditional gospel music, anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Well, great, and uh, thank you to Darius, our sign language interpreter. Thank you, Darius. K- King Darius, right? King Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. King Darius was the king who let the Jews go free from Babylon. So I uh, go yeah. back to Jerusalem. <clears throat> nice. All right, you guys. Thanks so much. Thank oh, you. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. Have time for dinner. Yep. <laughs> yep. Good enough. All right. Bye now. All right. Thank you. Thanks.